Hi everyone. With that, let's uh, go straight into time of the word. And uh, uh, yeah, even just now, as you know, the uh, people up here, uh, whether it's David or even just now uh, Daniel too, as they're praying, um, just being reminded of how precious this time is that God does speak to us through this time. Um, so I know we say this a lot in this church, but I just hope that we, um, we know that we are reminded of that again, week by week, that God loves us through this time. So um, three points so you can follow along. Uh, first, the authority of the healer. And the second uh, is the disobedience of the healed. And third, the mission of the healing. With that, let me just quickly read the word for us, and I'll pray. Uh, I think, you know, when we go through the book of Mark, since these are stories, I just want us to enjoy how you would enjoy stories, okay? So let me read it for us, and we'll pray. Uh, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew uh, with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever uh, left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit, permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, uh, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer uh, for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but went out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you that we can stand on the solid rock of your word. When uh, this world is shifting sands, and we sink when we lean on the values of this world. But when we come to you, Lord, 
And when we encounter your word, we get to see that there is a rock that we can bank our lives on. So may you uh, speak to us right now through this word. And may uh, these not be just words on a page, but may these come alive and change our hearts. And may your Holy Spirit, who is present here among us, uh, do your work in us, God. We need you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, authority of the healer. Uh, verses 32 through 34, uh, Mark says this. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Uh, so in the previous passage that we looked at last week, uh, Jesus taught the word and cast out a demon or unclean spirit in the synagogue. And now we see here that it's still the same day because it says uh, that, that evening at sundown, meaning that uh, it's still the Sabbath day, but now the day is over. What that means is that people were allowed to bring the sick people because apparently uh, the scribes that we looked at last week set up these rules, man-made rules, uh, that uh, people are not supposed to be healed on the Sabbath day. It's considered work. And the news about Jesus apparently uh, spread. Um, and uh, now we see in this scene that uh, the Mark says the whole city was gathered around the door of Simon's house where Jesus was staying. And they're bringing many you know, demon-possessed people, again, because they hoped that Jesus would cast out these demons like he did at the synagogue. But here, notice, in distinction to the demon-possessed people, we encounter people who are physically sick, not demon-possessed, but physically sick, um, and they're encountering Jesus you know, with various diseases. And here we see Jesus healing them physically also. And that's all throughout this passage. That's why the title, by the way, of the sermon is Jesus the Healer. We see his, his healing activities here. For example, back in verse 30, um, we, we see that Simon's mother-in-law was uh, sick with a fever. And Jesus heals her with just a touch. And later, another example of healing, uh, verses 40 through 42, we encounter a leper. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Let me just talk a little bit about leprosy in the Bible. Uh, leprosy is not necessarily the Hansen's disease, which is the leprosy that we usually know of. But in the Bible, it could refer to any kinds of infectious uh, skin diseases. And in the time of um, Israel and the, the biblical times back at that time, uh, this disease was dealt with quite harshly. Uh, for example, the lepers who were found to have leprosy 
had to be expelled from their community until they were cured. And now, on the one hand, we understand this because living in the COVID time, of course, you know, we have to quarantine people um, who are sick so that they wouldn't make everybody else sick. But on the other hand, back then, leprosy was practically incurable. What that meant was the lepers were not only physically sick, but also they were socially sick too, meaning they were socially isolated and ashamed. People would, you know, label them as lepers who would, should not be associated with the rest of the community. There's big shame there, you see. So here's a man in front of Jesus who are in desperate need. And upon, upon hearing about Jesus, this guy boldly comes to Jesus for healing, and he trusts that Jesus can make him clean. And in response, you know, out of compassion, Jesus touches him. And just think about it. It's incredible here. You know, Jesus, even though this guy is contagious and, you know, also if, if you touch a leper, you are becoming uh, ceremoniously unclean. You cannot even enter temple. You have to be banished from the community as well. But Jesus, again, out of love, he touches this guy. But instead of getting sick himself, Jesus actually clean, cleanses him and completely heals this leper. And he also heals him from the lifelong shame as well. So here is what Mark is trying to say through these healing activities. In continuation from the last week's passage where we looked at the authority of Jesus, here we see the authority of Jesus even in the physical realm. In addition to the spiritual realm, which is represented by casting demons. Look with me in Colossians chapter 1, 15, uh, verses 15 through 17, which says, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible material things and invisible spiritual things whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. As a creator God then, Jesus is the Lord of all creation, both physical and spiritual. Therefore, Jesus is able to heal any and every kind of disease. The physical world has to obey Jesus. And in addition, like we saw last week, he is not just an authoritative leader and ruler and Lord, but he's a good authority. He uses, you know, in our passage we see, he uses his authority, not for himself, but to heal others, to liberate people from the bondage of pain. And that is who Jesus is. I think this lesson of just being, having the authority over our physical lives, I think it should you know, call us to be more diligent in you know, praying for our physical needs. Uh, growing up, uh, there's something that my parents, uh, who are Christian, uh, would always do. You know, whenever you know, they got into a car for a long road trip, 
or especially when they got on the plane uh, for you know uh, to go somewhere farther, and they would always pause and pray for the safety of the trip, like for at least a few minutes. And I remember as a kid, I would get a little embarrassed, you know, because like they would do this in a public place, like on the plane, while everybody else is watching, and I just felt like, you know, we're just kind of make a, making a fool of, our, of ourselves. So I didn't like it, to be honest. But, however, over the years, I grew to appreciate this uh, because my parents were basically relying on Jesus and his authority over their safety more than they you know, rely on the skill of the pilot uh, against the unforeseen circumstances during the, fight, during the flight. And so I saw that my parents were being shameless in that. You know, they're, they're displaying to the people around them that they trust in Jesus for their physical needs. And as I'm thinking about that, I, I realized, you know, if we don't do this, if we don't pray for every single need that we have, whether it's safety or, you know, even finance or academics or work daily, perhaps uh, that is the pride, self-reliant pride of our generation. Um, you know, I think the older generation that I know of, they were very prayerful people. And if we're not, I think that's something that we should learn from the generation that has come before us. So let us pray for every single physical need that you have, whether it's your health during the pandemic, financial again, you know, career, daily work, you know, safety, you know, etc. And of course, you know, I know some people would caution that this might become some sort of a prosperity gospel gesture. Uh, it could if you make, a, make idols out of these things that you, you pray for and you think that you are entitled to receive these things. But it's a totally different thing if you pray because you humbly rely on God to provide for these things that you need to live for Him. And when we do that, we're proclaiming and affirming and submitting to the authority of Jesus over our physical lives. And with that, I also want to ask you that you pray for our church too. We need to be praying for every single thing because He is the Lord. Whether it's safety from COVID, whether it's different events that we do, you know, class night coming up, Thanksgiving dinner, and you know, all the fellowship, etc. FNL. Let us pray for everything because He is the Lord over everything. The authority of the healer. Second, the, the disobedience of the healed. Verse 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. There he prayed. So after a very busy day of ministry that we looked at just now, the next day Jesus wakes up very early in the morning, and he goes to a remote place to rest, really rest in prayer. In fact, throughout the book of Mark, we see Jesus having this rhythm of hard work and resting. And he's really modeling for all of us uh, that we, do ha we have to have also that kind of balance so that we don't become workah workaholic on the one hand, but also not be lazy on the other. 
But anyways, so he's resting here, but his resting is interrupted shortly uh, by his disciples. Verse 36 and 37, we see, And Simon and those who were with them searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Uh, the word search for him there has a hostile sense in Greek. It basically means that the disciples were tracking Jesus down with a disgruntled attitude saying, Oh, where is he? Where did he go? And when they find him, you know, we see them saying, Everyone's looking for you. Meaning, where have you been, Jesus? What are you doing here? Why are you camping out here? You're not supposed to be. You know, you got some work to do here. You got to heal more people. You got to cast more demons out. Chop, chop, chop. Let's, let's go. Let's go. You, know, you shouldn't be resting out here. Meaning that Jesus has become a celebrity. You know, overnight sensation of the town. A miracle worker and healer. And the popularity and fame are on the rise for Jesus. Um, you know, rapidly. And people are flocking to Jesus. And as the disciples were seeing that, you know, they're excited. And in their mind, you know, they think that Jesus has to capitalize on this fame and popularity to be, become a bigger name, to become a bigger hero. Uh, in that they're trying to, in a way, fit Jesus into their mold, right, of what hero means. But are they thinking these things for the sake of Jesus? No. Luckily, they're looking out for their own interest and their own fame and status. Why? You know, here we see Peter's house has become a local landmark, right? People are flocking to that door. And people are just lining up, probably, in front of these disciples and, you know, respecting them for their association with Jesus. Meaning that the disciples are using Jesus for their own benefit, for their own fame. But they're not the only ones. Check out the, the attitude of the leper too. So follow with me here. Verse, verses 34, uh, 43 and 44, it says, And Jesus sternly charged them and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Here, Mark is emphasizing how stern Jesus was in uh, commanding this command. Again, it says stern, the word, and then it says, see that you say nothing to anyone. But does the leper listen? Verse 45 says, and, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Uh, I just want to clarify that even though Mark makes it sound like this happened right away, but most likely the leper did listen to the, the, the second half of the command, which is go to the priest and show yourself. Uh, because at that time, the priest had to declare him clean in order for him to come back to the society. And because in the next line, we see that he's talking to people, likely uh, he did go to the priest and he was declared clean. 
and that's what we see in this in this verse. So talking to people is fine, but unfortunately, he does the very thing that that Jesus sternly told him not to do, which is to talk about his healing act. And the reason was this, because as a result of him disobeying the command, now Jesus cannot go into the town because of the popularity and people are just giving a lot of pressure. The ministry is hindered. And in fact, from this point on, if you read on in the book of Mark, you will see that there is now mounting opposition from people and the leaders. Meaning that the leper's disobedience took a huge toll on the ministry of Jesus. What he has done is basically this. The leper, he might have thought he was doing God's work. You know, he was evangelizing after all. Right? He's telling other people about Jesus. So he thought he was doing God's work. But in fact, he wanted the healing for himself, not for God's kingdom. I mean, it's really good that he had faith to believe. But once he got what he wanted, he disregarded what Jesus said in order to benefit the kingdom. But he just does his own thing. And therefore, again, the kingdom work is hindered. He was serving God on his own terms rather than on the terms of Jesus. So both the disciples and the leper are showing us that they are using Jesus instead of serving him. They're using the blessings and the healing coming from Jesus for their own benefit as opposed to using it to glorify God and his kingdom work. And that is hindering a lot of things. Uh, recently, I read an article about this uh, person named Lola Jean uh, Emerin, and, and probably nobody would know, him, know her, but uh, she was a high-level worker at the ARC in Hawaii, uh, which is a nonprofit organization that provides services for you know, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So it's a nonprofit organization, it's a charity organization that accepts donations. And it was found out that over, the, over a period of 20 years, she embezzled nearly $7 million uh, from the organization's uh, money. And she used it to fund a luxurious lifestyle, such as you know, buying five homes and multiple cars and, and paying for you know, lavish vacations and you know, home renovations, things like that. And again, that hurt a lot of people and that hurt the ethos of the organization too, obviously. And I, I know, I'm pretty sure that you've heard stories like this where you know, charity organizations who are supposed to use the donation money for the good cause uh, you know, that they're existing for. But when we hear that the money has been embezzled and so that it's, it's being used for selfish things for the selfish people as opposed to the good cause that they were collected for, you know, we're sad, right? We're you know, infuriated. But can I argue that likewise, you know, when he healed the individuals in the story, he was also showing great charity to them. And, and these people, instead of using the charity for the good cause of God's kingdom, they were using it for themselves. And in a way, they're misusing the fund, so to speak. 
to finance their own kingdoms as opposed to God's. And I want to say that we, you and I, can be like that too. It might not be the physical healing that we receive or misuse, but it could be any other blessings in our lives that God provides for us uh, for charity. You know, God doesn't owe us anything, but He gives us out of charity and compassion. But do we use it for the good cause? Many times we use it for ourselves, for our own selfishness. Maybe one good example could be that you know, when we look at our own bank statement, when we look at our own credit card statement, where we see the expenses uh, for monthly spending, do we see how much percentage is used for others? How much percentage is for me? Are we serving others in our lives with the resources that God has given us out of charity? Another thing is, you know, with the blessings of you know, school, job, or even unpaid opportunities that God gives us to serve, do we have God's kingdom in our view? Or do we have my own name, you know, in the, in the perspective? And lastly, you know, God has blessed all of us uh, with the time on earth. You know, with the next breath to take, God could take away any time. That's the reality. How are we using our time? on earth for his purpose or for mine to serve others or to serve my own self is my schedule centered around serving me or serving others and as i'm asking these questions in front of you i'm really rebuking myself uh, none other than myself because i know um, how short i fall in these questions but the disobedience of the healed is very real in our lives. Third and last, the mission of the healing. So in response to the disciples' pressure to heal more, uh, we'll see what Jesus does is quite shocking or maybe unexpected. So follow with me. Verses 38 and 39, here's his response. He says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. What that means is that Jesus came out from where? From heaven, you know, to preach. That's the mission of Jesus, as opposed to healing and casting out demons. And what did he preach? We look at verses 14 and 15, which we looked at um, a few weeks ago. It said, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, uh, and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Meaning God is trying to mend the relationship, broken relationship between humanity and himself through Jesus. And again, that's the mission. And, and let me give you two more examples how this indeed is the central mission of Jesus. First, in the last week's passage, we saw how Jesus was teaching first, right? Teaching God's word, and people were amazed by the authority of his teaching. 
And then he cast out the demon to substantiate that authority in his teaching. So teaching was central wherever he went. And furthermore, second example, if you look closely at all the healing episodes in, in our passage today, uh, and also you know, beyond this passage in the book of Mark, you'll notice that Jesus never went and sought people in order to heal people. It was always people coming to Jesus to be healed. It was not the other way around. Rather, when Jesus sought people, what did he do? He taught. He preached. Healing was secondary. Teaching was primary. That's the main mission. What that means is that God, Jesus came to not physically heal people and just make them feel better temporarily, but he came to share the word of God to heal people on the inside and fundamentally mend our relationship with God. That's his primary mission. And that's why we need to embrace even more than the provision of material things and healing even. As some of you guys know that Deb and I were in Illinois. We lived there for quite a while before we moved to Minnesota. And when we were in Illinois, um, you know, we had bought a house and lived there for a few years. And uh, we bought, the, the house that we bought was a foreclosed house. And what that means is that the previous owner couldn't pay uh, their, their mortgage. So it became bank owned and the bank, you know, tried to sell it off, you know, with a cheaper price. So that's why we could afford it at the time, obviously. Uh, but often, not always, but often foreclosed house uh, homes have problems uh, because you know, the previous owner you know, didn't have the time and you know, desire to maintain the house. In our case, uh, you know, we were aware that this house had a problem with the pipe, uh, water pipe, but they said, you know, it's, it's fixed. So I was like, okay. All right, so we bought it. Um, and then once we bought it, you know, we only cared about the interior design. So Deb and I, you know, spent lots of time like painting and, you know, just decorating and things like that. And to the point that, I mean, we we're pr proud of, you know, what we did to the point that people, whenever, you know, they visited our home, they complimented the house and we're like, just so happy about that. Uh, but then in the midst of all this problem happens. This one day, we comes home from, you know, whatever, and we find that one of the pipes started leaking from the second floor, and the water started leaking into the kitchen. So the ceiling and uh, the floor of the kitchen that we spent a lot of time on was all wet. And we just spent a lot of time to, you know, fix that as well. And then another one, uh, our AC broke. It's a lot of money that we spent and, you know, it was very inconvenient. But worst of all, uh, this one day, this one night, uh, or for a few nights actually, you know, we started smelling what smelled like a burning tire or it could also smell like sesame oil. It's like, what is this? What is this? Turned out that skunks made a burrow into the foundation of our house 
and we're having a party down there. So the smell was their fart smell. So we had to call the animal control people and you know, they had to get rid of them and the whole ordeal. So at that point, we're like, you know, what's next? What else is going to break in this house, right? But because of that experience, you know, when we were buying our current house in Minnesota, we try to make sure that we check all the fundamentals of the house that they're not going to break. And of course, because of that effort, you know, our current house that we got, um, for sure, you know, we can say the outward appearance is not as you know, fresh or new. One example is that we uh, have a bathroom that is covered with uh, pink tiles, right? I mean, no offense to color pink or whoever likes pink, but I don't, but it's there. But aside from all of those outward things, man, all the fundamentals are strong. You know, pipes are strong, appliances are strong, you know, it's been just going strong. I love it. No problems, at least so far, right? I'm sharing this because the original human condition, apart from God, is like our first house. You know, it's fundamentally broken on the inside so that people try to look nice and they, you know, often are successful in terms of, you know, putting money in, time in, and uh, effort in, and they do look nice, just like we see on their Instagram posts. Uh, but internally, you know, they're broken. There's problems after problems. There's emptiness after emptiness. There's chasing after the wind. No hope in sight. And that is the incurable condition of uh, human heart, apart from God. But the gospel says that Jesus came to heal what's on the inside. And here, get this. It doesn't mean that he heals, you know, on an appointment basis, meaning he's not like a repair person. He always comes whenever we feel broken. The gospel says Jesus came once and for all, and he gives us an entirely new heart. In fact, his heart. And that new heart is now ours in faith. And for now, it may not look good on the outside, but the gospel promises that in time, there will be a day when Jesus will come back and we will look nice on the outside too. In fact, perfect. So it is a new heart, new house, rather, that, that God has given us through Christ. And with that, we have hope for the future because our brokenness right now will be changed over time because it is the heart of Jesus. And please get this with me. Mark, in our passage, uh, depicts this reality of the gospel beautifully, even graphically. If you look, go back to verse 45, you know, when because of the disobedience of the, lep of the leper, you know, we see Jesus being out in desolate place, right? But if you've been following with the story, or especially the, the information about leprosy, What's interesting is that the desolate place out of the town is what? Where the leper belongs. But now, who's there? Jesus is in that outside. 
while the leper is inside, included, restored into the community, to the society, at the expense of the Son of God, cast out, expelled from society. And that's exactly the picture of the cross. On the cross, he bore our shame, our sin, while in exchange we gain his perfection. And because of that, now we have, again, hope for the future. You know, because we are all disobedient like the lepers, the disciples. We all try to build our own kingdoms, right? We don't try to use our resources for you know, God's kingdom. We all fail. How can we become better? Again, just look at, think of my our old, uh, you know, first house. No matter how we change on the outside, it won't change. But now with a new house, with a new heart, there will be change. Because it's the heart of Jesus. And with that, we can continue on. No matter what failure, no matter what hopelessness is in your life, we know that there's always hope. And that's what just accomplished on the cross for us. And that's encouraging. That's the only hope of the world. The Christians are to live out and share. And that's the mission of Jesus, and that's our mission as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, thank you uh, for the hope that is living in us because of Jesus Christ. Just as He is alive through His resurrection right now, so is our hope. God, uh, truthfully, there are many discouraging days, many frustrating days, because we know we're not who we are supposed to be. Um, But thank you for your gospel. Because we may not be who we are supposed to be, but we are not who we were before. And you are healing us in ways that only you know to be best. So help us, Lord. We're still on this side of heaven where there are many uh, times of hopelessness and discouragement. And there's plenty in this room. And you heard some of that just now when they prayed to you about those things. I pray that you would answer them in ways um, that might be so powerful that they truly know and feel the healing that is in Christ during this time. that that you give them endurance to keep going by your grace. And may your blessings truly be used for for your kingdom through our lives, God. But again, thank you for Jesus Christ, who is our life, our wisdom, our salvation, our everything. He's our identity. In him, we have our life and our future. Thank you, Lord. Let's end together with the the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated.